Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Navi Zechariah, the Prophet Zechariah, chapter 13. <coughs> we have just completed in chapter 12 the idea that in the great battle of the future, the battle of the enemies of God who encamped upon Jerusalem versus the people of Yehuda, the Jews gathered in Jerusalem under their new leader, the new leader of the of the member of the house of David. We've learned that after the battle, and that that the battle will be won when the house of David and the people of Judah learn humility, learn chen v'tachanunim. They become people of grace, people who are the other people of the world look up to, who look up to, and and um, people who look upon the victims of the war with empathy and grace and tachanunim and prayer for them on their behalf. It is Bayomahu that in that day, that day when the new world, the world in which victors act with empathy for their former oppressors, empathy for those that lost their lives rather than the haughtiness of the one who won, like he's the mighty one and he's the great one. On that day, we begin our, our chapter then there will be a makar, a wellspring, a, or a fountain, a, 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 a source of water. Niftach will be opened. Levet David for the house of David, and all of those that reside in Jerusalem, to purify them of all sin and of all impurities and all, um, and all, um, uh, and on a lack of holiness. This this makor uh, niftach, this wellspring, it reminds us very much of the um, of the Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. Again, Zechariah draws very much, and we've pointed this out numerous times from the previous earlier prophets, Ezekiel forty-seven, where he talks about the river that will come forth in the future from Jerusalem and will spread God presence throughout the entire world and spread that atmosphere of beauty, the atmosphere of purity, the atmosphere of bounty, the atmosphere of life to all and restore the world. And it will be on that day, says God, that day of the future when all of this will happen, I will cut out, I will get rid of the names of the atzabim, and I will translate that in a moment, from the land. In general, atzabim is generally considered to refer to idols in the form of idols as in idol worship. Um, the Radak has a difficult question on this pasuk, on this verse, is why is God saying in that day I will get rid of the names of the atzabim of the idols if we know from many places, and we've discussed this before as well, that there was no idol worship, at least among the Jewish people in the days of Zechariah and the days of the Second Temple. Idol worship was no longer a problem. We discussed how the Talmud says how God got, got and the rabbis got rid of the entire desire to worship idols. Idol worship was not the issue. Interpersonal relationships, dishonesty, oppression, that was the issue, fighting, infighting, so on. But idol worship was not the issue in the Second Temple. Maybe there were, of course, there were still pagans in the world in plenty of places, but this was not the issue. So what does it mean, min ha'aretz, I will get rid of the shemot ha'atzabim? So the Radak tries to answer and say that we're talking about the atzabim that were here last time in the First Temple. We'll get rid of those, whatever remnants there are, even though they're no longer here. 
which is an answer, but I'd like to suggest a different approach. And my approach will be consistent with the rest of this chapter, I, I believe. Uh, and I believe the rest of the chapter will support my approach. And that is, is that Atzabim over here, first of all, the uh, Mitsudos, who also assumes that Atzabim means idols. We see like Atzabehem, their idols, Kesef, Bizohav, our gold and silver. We see that in Psalms, which clearly is referring there <coughs> to um, idols. Over here, uh, Mitsudos explains why are they called Atzavim? Because the word, the root of the word Atzavim is Etzev, means sadness. Atzavim creates sadness. Why? Because when one turns to idols and uses idols as his source of spiritual support, one ends up disappointed. One ends up being sad. One ends up being let down because the idols offer nothing. They offer nothing. They are false. They don't offer anything to a person who's true. So therefore, they are atzabim. <coughs> they cause etzev. They cause sadness. Now, this is not. This is the case with actual idols, <coughs> but this is also the case of those who falsely turn to God as if God Himself was an idol. Those nevi'e sheker, which we're about to read about, those false prophets, which we read about so much, especially in Jeremiah, but also in other places. Remember, one of my favorite it's not favorite in the sense that it's a good verse but one of the, the verses that glare out is the verse in jeremiah 8 uh chapter 11 uh by yomru shalom vein shalom the false prophets who walk around and tell us all you need to do is just keep doing what you're doing believe in me follow me i got the way and you're good to go you don't have to actually do anything you don't have to actually be better you're fine the way you are just believe in me and everything is good <laughs> those false prophets <coughs> that were walking around and unfortunately we know throughout history so many uh, false prophets some very very famous false prophets who would say just believe in me and you will achieve what you need to to approach god this chapter is directly directed against people people that get up and say such 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 nonsense i'm going to get rid of those that make you sad they make you sad why because just believing just believing and just worshiping this person who claims to be a prophet or worshiping in the way that this person who claims to be a prophet is acting right is useless it doesn't do anything because what god wants from you is behavior Zechariah has pounded this into our heads over and over again what god wants from us is to stop the way we are acting towards each other and start acting with peace start acting with humility start acting with ms with truth so Achritz, God said, I'm going to get rid of those people that walk around and make us sad. They will no longer be mentioned. All of those prophets. This means the false prophets. And that spirit of, of impurity, the spirit of, 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 of corruption. I'll get rid of the land. I'm going to get rid of all those people that speak falsely in my name and tell you that what I want is not action, but what I want is you just to be just to believe, just to worship, etc. When someone does say such things, when someone speaks such things and continues to say such things in that day in the future, the spirit will be such that no one will tolerate such false falseness. No one will tolerate such such nonsense. Even the person's own parents, Yoldav, those who gave birth to him, Lotichyeh will not allow him to live. 
his own parents will look at him and say, how could you say such a thing? How could you be such a person? How could you walk around and pretend to be a prophet of God? False prophets of God, which was such a problem and such an issue before, in that day will stop being a problem. You are speaking falsely in the name of God. Not only are you speaking false, but you claim that you're saying God's word. Even his own parents will will kill him with a sword, Yoldav, those that gave birth to him, when he walks around and persists in such false prophecies. The people themselves will know who it is that's purveying such falseness, such nonsense, such such corruption. No, what God wants from us is to be better. And what's going to happen? How am I going to purge these people? Not so. Yes, it's true that it would, the situation will be so so significant that the people themselves, even parents, would be ready to kill their own child if he or she were to take on this mantle and pretend to be a false prophet. However, what's going to really happen is those people that were pretending to be false prophets will be embarrassed. They'll be ashamed of being of saying this because so much truth will be in the land that they will be ashamed of themselves. Each person will be ashamed of all of these false visions that he had when he was making himself out into being this whole prophet and seeing all these amazing things that he claimed to have been seeing. He's going to be ashamed of himself when he, because he knows deep down that this is all false. How was it that when they were having these false visions, they wanted to convince others of the prophets that they were prophets? They dressed in poor, rough clothing that hurts and itches the skin to show people, oh, look how humble I am. Look how suffering I suffered. They walk around like they're suffering. They would go, that cloak that's made out of coarse hair. They're no longer going to wear it, that coarse hair cloak to show how they're, they're not in it for themselves, but so on. Laman kachesh that they wore then in order to be able to effectively lie to the people and convince them. And those people will then, they'll be so ashamed of their false prophecies that they're going to say, they'll take away, they'll stop that claim of being a prophet. They'll say, no, 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 I'm not a prophet. I'm just an ordinary farmer, that's all. I just work the land, that's all I do. They taught me, and I'm translating the way the Radak translates, I've been taught as a shepherd, as a child. In other words, I'll say, I'm a farmer, I'm a shepherd, I'm just an ordinary guy with an ordinary job. I don't have any of that stuff. Well, then why? Not only did they walk around with cloaks in order to pretend to be prophets, but they allowed themselves to be whipped and harmed and smacked and hurt so that they can claim, look how I'm suffering, I'm suffering so much, I must be a prophet of God. Vyomari loves, so people are going to say, if you're just a farmer or a shepherd, what are these whips that we find? What are these wounds that we find between your hands? The makos, you're referring to the whip that they would hold to either whip themselves, whip the other, the other false prophets in order to create these wounds. And then the, the wounds, the makos, the wounds themselves that are all over their arms. And he'll say, no, no, no. Instead of lying, he'll say, look, I'm such a suffering servant. I'm such a suffering guy. I'm suffering. I'm so humble. I'm so humble. So therefore, listen to me and a prophet. No, I show Casey based my These are just things. My friends, 
they just gave this to me. They they hurt. They they struck me because I was doing bad, and they wanted to set me on the right path. That's all. But I'm 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 not going to be that false prophet anymore. I'm not going to go through false prophecies. We can all think of examples of people that claim to be suffering and claim to be, and therefore you should believe in me, and therefore I should be a, 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 a prophet. Such prophecies. Such prophecies that don't ask for action, that don't ask us to actually be better people, such prophecies are nonsense. Zechariah says in the future time there will be no place for such prophecies. Let's go on to verse 7. And now we're going to go back, if you remember, in chapter 11, there was, there was two shepherds, either the shepherd of God, right? God asked Zechariah the prophet to be the shepherd, and then he said that if you won't, I will be the shepherd and lead the people. But then there was also the, the, the shepherd of the Elilim, the Roa Elili or Avili, who was either the foolish or the bad, the evil shepherd who did not guard his flock, who led them in the wrong direction. Those are the shepherds that led those enemies against Jerusalem, that refused to accept God, refused to be humble before God. That Roa, it's time for him to go. Cherev, the sword, Uri, wake up, al Roi, you, I want you to go against that ro- my shepherd, meaning the shepherd that I established, al Gever Amiti, and on the guys who, and the, and the men who, who went with him. Some versions have Amito that went with him. Gezer Amiti is very difficult to translate. But um, uh, various Mepharshim, if you look in Mordechai Zerkovod in the Mosadarav Kuk version, he, he um, also translates it the way I'm saying, and all the men that went along with him, says God, you sword, I want time for you to strike down that shepherd, scatter those sheep that are, that are following, get rid of them, and I will place my hand against the tzoharim, all of the young officers, and again, I'm, I'm going along with the Radak's translation of tzoharim, the officers and officials and generals of so on of this army of evil people that came to attack Jerusalem, the ones who refused to be humble. And within the entire land, says God, there will be two times as many people that survive will die. They will be cut off. They will be killed. They will lay dead. And one third will be left from the remnant. Remember what Yechezkel, Ezekiel said back in uh, Ezekiel 5. Uh, and this is important. Um, in Ezekiel 5, Ezekiel was told when the Jews were destroyed, when the first temple was destroyed, God said to divide up his hair into three, representing half a third of the people were going to die by starvation, a third die by sword, and a third will be chased out of the land. Well, now the circle has gone full all the way around. Now those that are attacking Jerusalem, Zechariah is using the same imagery of thirds, but he's using it for the opposite. For those that are tormenting Jerusalem, two-thirds will die and only one-third will be left alive. That one-third will be the third from which we studied before. That one-third will be the third from which uh, uh, they will end up joining God and will become like an aluf that We Zechariah repeatedly said and we'll say again, we'll see soon in chapter 14, they will join the Jewish people. They will become part of the Jewish people. They will serve at the temple. They will so on. But two-thirds of those that attack will be destroyed. And then I will take that remaining third. And this is the remaining third 
of the enemy. This is very important. This is verse 9. This is extremely important. Take note of this. The remaining third of the enemy, I will bring them through fire, utsiraftim, and I will purify them. Like a smelter purifies silver. This reminds us very much of Isaiah 125, where, where uh, uh, um, Isaiah 1, verse 25, where God says to the Jewish people, I will use the same language, I will purify, I will um, get rid of all the impurities, and I will purify you and bring you close to me. Zechariah is now saying this same thing will happen to the rest of the world, all of the nations of the world that were part of the attackers, part of the enemies. Two-thirds are gone. That one-third that's left, I will purify them. We also see that language in Malachi chapter 3 and in other places in Jeremiah, similar. And I will test them out to make sure they're pure, just like one tests his gold to make sure he gets rid of all the impurities. He shall call out in my name. And I will answer him. Because those people will then be attached to God and attached to the Jewish people. Amarti, I will say, Amihu, this is my nation. Remember, these are not the people of Judea who already are God's nation. These are the people that were attacking Judea, but they were the third that were left. They were the ones willing to humble themselves. Now they are called Ami, my nation, who, who Yomar, and he will also say, Adonai Elohai, the Lord is my God. This is when the entire world has that unity of purpose, unity under God. Um, uh, uh, together we'll see more of this idea that of the enemies that attacked they will then join the Jewish people all together uh, all together under God we'll see that this vision laid out even more clearly and even more dramatically when we read Zechariah chapter 14 thank you so much for studying chapter 13 looking forward to 14 and completing this wonderful book together